the Disky Chicks podcast for business leaders and those interested in learning how to use the DISC assessment to grow self-awareness, improve communications, and develop leaders and teams. Please welcome your hosts, business coaches Martha Fourlines and Cindy Jacoby. They are loud and proud about all things DISC. Thanks, Roger, and hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 5 of the Disky Chicks podcast. This season, we're focusing on the organization as a whole and how the strategic use of assessments can be transforming to your business. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Disky Chicks. I am Cindy Jacoby, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Martha Fourlines. Glad to have you back. Good to see you. Like your haircut? Thank you. <laughs> we are going to continue on um, with a follow-up from our last episode, which was all about filling your tank. What can you do to motivate an employee um, and really fill their tank when it gets depleted and they're not super motivated? And our go-to is using the driving forces. If you'll recall, uh, we we do an assessment that will measure of the 12 driving forces. What are your top four? What, what makes you get up in the morning? What makes you go to work? What are you striving to do? And if you know that about yourself or about your employee and you tap into that, it's really going to invigorate them and really make them want to be at work. And so we're just grabbing a couple of the different motivators and giving some examples of how you can use that person's motivator to fill their tank. Does that sound right, right Martha? What did I leave out? Exactly. And, and we may have mentioned this in the last episode on the same topic, but if you are not giving your employees these motivators and we're, we're talking to you and giving you examples of what you can do and say, then what happens if the employees doesn't get that from you as their leader, you may notice disengagement. You may notice people just not being as in, involved in their day-to-day -day work as they normally are. So it really matters to know their top four and to give them what they need to fill their tank. The belief is that you're going to find it. It may be outside of work. Mm -hmm. People who don't like their jobs, they find their passion outside of work. If you can get the passion inside of work, uh, that would be ideal. And I think um, last time, Martha, I wrote this down. We talked about um, the intellectual drive. Mm -hmm. Right. And the um, altruistic drive. Mm -hmm. Those are you know, two separate, come from two separate um, domains. Domains. Thank you. And then we took one domain and we split it in half, the yin and the yang. And that was commanding versus collaborative. That's our power domain. So we're going to do the same thing this time. We're going to pick um, two, two different drivers from two different domains, and then we're going to do a yin and the yang. So Martha, why don't you start us off? And we talked a, a couple minutes before we broadcast and chose these, and you chose um, the domain mm -hmm. of surroundings, right? Are you yes. doing objective harmonious. or harmonious 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 yeah. yeah all right what does it mean so, and how how can we use it right <laughs> the surroundings in which the employee is working matters <laughs> and i'll give you one example of someone who is a high harmonious 
And a high harmonious is driven by subjective, more emotions and touchy-feely things, as well as finding a balance in their work life and their home life. But even at work, they like to have balance in how they go about doing their jobs every day. And these people are really wanting to create that harmonious environment if it doesn't exist, because it's that important to them. And they really focus on kind of the totality of their experience at work, because it matters to them that everybody's getting along. It's kind of a Zen type (laughs) desire that they're seeking at work which sometimes is realistic and sometimes it's not depending on the nature of the work. And they're always seeking that balance because that matters to them to be able to to do their work and stay in their flow, if you will. And then the last thing is aesthetics matter to this high harmonious. So here's an example for you. If you have someone who's a high harmonious and you have them down in the basement with four gray walls and no windows, what will happen is you'll see their productivity take a a total dive because they're not getting these harmonious needs met. I remember one time going to see somebody in their office at one of my clients, they actually had put one of those faux mirror windows up because they had no windows. And I said, does that help? And that was my clue that they were (laughs) harmonious. And they said, oh yeah, it does help me. So what the, as a leader, if you've got somebody like that and you want to get them truly more engaged than they are, then take them upstairs to where they have windows and they can look outdoors at nature and find that that happy spot that they're looking for. And there is a true appreciation for beauty and harmony and nature. They love having that warm and fuzzy feeling about their surroundings. And they, you know, really like to express themselves in a creative and imaginative way. But if they don't have the right environment, it shuts all that down for them. So would you say as the, if you're the manager that probably number one is environment, if you can give them a, a good environment, what if you want to reward them for, uh, for, for good work? Like what's a, what's a way to reward um, or recognize someone who's high harmonious that would be meaningful to them? Like what would a good treat well, be mean, for them? Let's say they're in a team meeting and the manager wants to reward them publicly. They're going to say, you know, Cindy, we really appreciate how you're real in tune with how people are feeling when they come to work every day. That's important to you. And you make them feel um, cared about and, and being very thoughtful toward them and what they like to hear and see in their, in, in their environment. Yeah. You bring a sense of calmness. Maybe you can reward them with a yoga class yeah something like that (laughs) okay yeah Yeah, that's great 
All right. So that's the harmonious driver. The opposite of that, just for you folks keeping it at home, is called objective. And that is more, they're happy to work in, in chaos and can compartmentalize where harmonious will stick with just, they're a whole person. Um, right. They can't hide their feelings necessarily very well. Right. So the one I chose uh, came from the dimension of utility or usefulness of something. And the two sides of that are selfless and resourceful. And I chose resourceful because this one's pretty fun. Um, People who are resourceful, I I always just use the cliche, they want to make things bigger, faster, stronger. They they are driven to maximize results uh, and get practical results from their efforts. Um, They want some kind of return, whether it's money, whether it's efficiency. Um, They don't want to do it if they don't see something coming back from it. So they're really focused on their talent, their energy and resources. Uh, So somebody who is a high resourceful for their their, um, driving force, I think the easiest way to associate that would be a commission salesperson because yeah. they are they are coin operated, they they do the work, and they get rewarded for exactly how much effort they put into that. They don't spend a lot of time doing things that are not measurable, that don't bring about some kind of change. Uh, sometimes you gotta you gotta do the work because it's on the list, but that's the last thing that a resourceful person wants to do. They want to do um, high impact, high reward types of activities, something that's measurable. Um, they want to be rewarded for that investment of their time or talent. They want they want something to come back for that, whether it's on the receiving side of something uh, more like money or something like that, or it's being more efficient, an efficiency expert, get in there and make, you know, maximize this timeline. Uh, They're happy going from A to B to D and they can skip right over C if C does not seem like it's a, it's, it's not a waste of time. Or I think the, the yang of that will needs to go in order and check every little bit off the, you know, off the list. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, a concern about having somebody who's resourceful, if they're, if they overextend in that, uh, they could become a workaholic. So sometimes you got to put the brakes on that because if they keep getting success for doing it, it's going to yeah. be hard to make them stop and go home. Yeah. Just, no, yeah, but I yeah. just want to do it for a little bit longer. Yeah. As a manager, you really need to be sensitive to burnout because they just are so, so driven and they don't like waste. Yeah, they don't yeah. like to waste anything. It's like, yeah. it's really interesting. And Cindy and I are both high resourceful and, you know, objective is like my number one, but, you know, <laughs> they just kind of go hand in glove. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a very famous, at least, especially in the Atlanta area, and I think he's nationally syndicated, Clark Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Clark Howard is a consumer expert mm-hmm. and he can find a deal or a bargain on, anything. And so he is, he's the type of resourceful that doesn't get money, but saves money. Mm -hmm. Um, Even I've heard tell when he used to go speak on the today show, he wouldn't stay in the hotel that they were offering him because he could find one cheaper, you know, like things like that, because (laughs) it it can get out of control in, in both directions, but the opportunity to save money, to save resources is perfect. So, and I haven't, 
thought about this ahead of time, Martha, but if you're trying to reward somebody on your team that's resourceful, what are some ways you can compensate or acknowledge or reward that person? Well, you already said it, but money, 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 money. Yeah. Money. Gift cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, but they, you know, they, they would appreciate um, recognition for a job well done. If they were driving a huge, big enterprise-wide project and they hit it on time, on budget, I mean, because that's the kind of person you want driving a project like that. Yeah. Then, you know, they want to be recognized for it. Or reward them for anything under budget. You know, we'll split yeah. whatever you say. Maybe you want to watch, make sure they're not cutting quarter corners and things like that. But yeah, yeah they're, they're, and I think this is what people typically think about when they're considering, you know, trying to retain somebody for work, you know, is, um, well, let's just give them a raise. We think they're a flight risk. If that person's not resourceful, if they're harmonious, say, you could just say, no, get them out of the basement <laughs> and they'll stay. <laughs> you don't have to give them more money and keep them in a dark hole. So right. that's why I think logically we think, oh, more money, they're going to stay. But there's so much research that says money is not not the way to retain people. You got to pay them enough. But then after that, it's going to be one of these factors. You know, are they getting their their needs met? Well, maybe another a better way to say that is that if they had a bonus affiliated with that big project. Yeah. And they hit it, then you better deliver. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or yeah, that's a good resourceful. Yeah. And just just to touch on it, the other side of that is called selfless. And the way they get things done is through a checklist. And they don't want to be timed. They don't want to have a budget. They just want to do it from start to finish. They're not trying to win any kind of race like a resourceful person would. So uh, you can see how those could conflict with each other. Resourcefuls kind of get it done quicker, um, but they might not put as much effort or thoroughness as a selfless person might for this project. So it's important for a boss to know what, what project do you want it done right? Or do you want it done fast? Cause, yeah. cause sometimes you might want to go to a different person in yeah. order to do that. That's true. All right. All right. The last one we had talked about um, was, was, it falls under the methodologies category and it's, how would you explain what methodologies are, Martha? Yeah, I mean, it's really um, a means to an end from my perspective. And how do you like to, um, to follow um, structure or not follow structure to, to accomplish things, if you will? And um, Cindy's going to do structure. Do you want to start off with that? Yeah. Or? Yeah, I see it as how how do you fit in it with something bigger than you are? Yeah. And the structured person is looking for that tradition. Um, they're looking to fit into something that's bigger than they are. Um, an organization that already has a strong culture or beliefs or a way of doing things. We do it the Starbucks way or we do it the IBM way. They want to be part of that. It could be even a religion. Everything they do is driven by something bigger, that religion. It could be um, somebody who wants to join the military, very structured. They know exactly where they fit, what their goals are. It could be vegan. You know, all of this is what's going to drive how you operate. 
So a structured person is looking for a place that has a, you know, proven way of doing things. They want to fit into that and they will, they will defend that belief system come hell or high water, you know, and they don't Mm -hmm. like people to attack it or mess with it at all. Like we do it our way and we want you to fit in. This doesn't work so great for companies that are, um, you know, entrepreneurial company. Yeah, trying to do new things or startups or things like that. But this is this is better for those who kind of figured it out, mm-hmm. come on board and just autopilot it. Yeah, drink drink the Kool Aid. Yeah, they, they, um, if you put a high structured person into that entrepreneurial environment where there are no standard operating procedures, there's no policies, there's no um, structured ways of how you do your job, they're going to become discontent pretty quickly, in my opinion. Unless they're um, given the role of figuring that out and writing it down, you know, like yeah. they yeah. are going to structuralize it in some way. But again, you're right that they're not going to be attracted to that kind of position where it's wide open. Whereas yeah. the other side, which Martha's going to talk about they're they're all in, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the opposite of that um, that high structured is receptive and a high receptive is really driven by new ideas and new ways of doing things and looking at old processes and being able to tune them up so that they can offer their creative and innovative skills that they have because they really love you know a lack of structure if you will that that really floats their boat and they are always looking for those opportunities so that it just like Cindy says you need somebody on the team that likes to ideate and create and do things so that those structured people have something to follow if you will yeah. um and they're they can be a little restless because you know, they're always kind of wanting to innovate. They're wanting to use that right side of their brain. And, you know, you, as a leader, you think about, well, you know, we have, we've got to change this product and you want some high receptives on that product team that can really research and they can do that as long as they know, um, because it gives them ideas it refreshes them on new and better and faster ways to get things done so they're very these two are very very different but they Mm -hmm. complement each other really really well so it's really good to have on especially something like a product development team both sides of this this particular motivator in my opinion because they're going to be able to really crank out um, some good um, products, but then you've got your your more practical person that's more structured that's going to say, but we've got to test this and we've got to yeah. make sure this is going to work right and do all of that. So they're very complimentary. They're always thinking outside the box and get bored in their work if they don't have that. The structured person uh, is is very leery of unproven ways, right? Uh, so you're going to have to prove that it works. But I think a good role for someone in structure would be, you know, someone who 
maybe documents or promotes the company culture and history. Uh, I think of like old universities like Notre Dame, you know, something that has a lot of um, tradition and structure and like people who are structured may be drawn to that type of university. You know, they want to be a part of history. Whereas, you know, maybe somebody on the receptive side is maybe looking for online learning or, you know, a couple classes here and there, they're, they're not afraid to mix it up and they're not afraid to change, to challenge the status quo. And in many cases, that's good as Martha said, but in some cases, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, you're going to drive those structure people crazy. So if you can have that balance of keep what's working, don't change it. But if something needs changing, then go outside that box and try to find a new way of doing things and yeah. see if you can <laughs> get those structured people to to accept that new idea. Because if you're not if you're not changing, you're not growing, you know, you're dying. Right. So there's a there's a place for everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Well, those well, those are some good tips, I think, to help you feed, um, fill your employees tanks and keep them engaged and motivated on the job and, and happy doing great work for you. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's important as a manager to realize that people are different and you can't treat them the same way. It's okay to have different reward systems or different ways of giving feedback. That's going to feed that hunger or that drive that your employee has. And remember it's not the same as yours, most likely. So what's good for the goose may not be good for the gander. Right. You got to read that gander's report. This is a lot harder than disc yeah. because you can't see it. You have right. to talk to somebody about that. And if, right. if you haven't given them a report, just having a conversation. And Martha, one last trick. Um, if you're trying to find out what a person's driving force is, um, have a conversation with them and say, hey, if you had the day off, and plenty of resources, what would you do with that resource? And what would you, what would you do with that day? You know, would they, would they read a book or take a class? Yeah, they might be intellectual. Would they, you know, go volunteer at a homeless shelter? They might be altruistic. So it's interesting to hear what drives them. Um, yeah. And that might give you a, a few hints on how you can adjust your feedback to, to fill that tank. Yeah. And if you're not using driving forces, then that is, you, you've got to go after the data. But yeah. We recommend that you use get, get the manual. It makes it yeah. so much easier. On paper. Yeah. Well, this was fun. And- Thank you for listening to the Disky Chicks podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. To learn more or start a conversation with Cindy and Martha, visit the Disky Chicks podcast Facebook page.